0: and assumptions that we made in retail have just disappeared for example the weekday weekend patterns are gone the fact that on weekdays you know you stock up for things on weekend you purchase your regular things they're just just not existing anymore reinventing talent management is 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 what we absolutely foresee we clearly see the next wave of personalization is here to come and stay
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on which part of the world you are in right now. My name is Srinidhi Rao. I'm a senior partner and the head of innovation at The Math Company. We have Shahindar Banerjee, who is our CEO and the co-founder on a very relevant and timely topic, uh, life, business, politics, and the role of AI in a post-COVID world. Shahindar is one of the pioneers of the analytics industry in India. Uh, he was one of the founding members of GE Capital's analytics center uh, that started in Bangalore way before the Genpak days. And then he went on to become the first employee and one of the founding members of what would later become the world's largest pure play analytics consulting firm, uh, employing about 5,000 data scientists across the world. Uh, in 2016, uh, Cheyenne co-founded the math company with two other co-founders uh, with an aim to help organizations achieve viable and valuable analytical transformations by building what we call as uh, contextual AI assets. As we talk today, the math company has about 35 Fortune 500 customers. Um, with this, I would like to call upon Shayandeb Banerjee, CEO and co founder of the math company.
0: Thank you, Srini. Uh, again, uh, a very warm welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us today. I know we are in the middle of a global crisis of unprecedented nature, but would like to fast forward by a few months, right, with the help of something like a time machine and take a look at what the new normal look will look like you know once this you know we are past this pandemic and we are in a you know in a more more uh, normal world if you will wanted to f- start this series on a positive note amidst all these terrible things that are happening around us at present but before we uh, you know before we get there go there you know let's let's understand the premise as to as to where we are coming from now I have a I have a very simple question for all of you, and and if you can you know kind of uh, get some answers, it will be great. Do you think we will come out stronger from this crisis, or or will get weaker? I mean, what what is what is your thought process or point of view? Let's understand this. Right, global crises have typically accelerated the trends that were shaping up before they happened. World War II is a great example. World War II brought women to the workforce. It accelerated the democratization of aircraft. Before that, it was a very different world. It catalyzed the birth of modern computers. I'm sure many of you uh, know the story. In 1945, engineers were finishing some sort of an electronic brain for the army. Now, equipped with about 18,000 vacuum tubes instead of the usual electrical switches, it could do about 5,000 computations per second. 4996 more than the best electric calculator, to be precise. So they called it an electronic numerical integrator and computer. Only the last word stuck, right? So that is that is the story of computers. The concept of fast food uh, interestingly, you know, kind of originated also during this time. Two brothers who have opened a drive-in restaurant in California were struck by working families, you know, families' desired for cheap meals served fast. Faster than their carhops hops would serve them, and their name was McDonald. The the rest was history. I'm sure we all know. Even the birth of Silicon Valley is attributed to this time frame. So as you can see, you know, global crises have really changed the course of history in in many different ways. Now, just like how airline industry had to adapt after the 9/11 catastrophe, banking industry had to go through a lot of changes post the 2008-2009 financial crisis. We believe that the whole manufacturing sector, particularly CPG, is definitely one of the industries that will have to adapt similarly Right? post this crisis. And, and we'll go deeper into it you know, as, as we move along. So, so that is the premise uh, on which global supply chain will be redefined forever. And this in turn will have long-lasting effect on many other industries. While crises have happened in the past, and we have got stuff to learn from them, question is, what is different now? The difference is that this time around, we have a potent tool, which wasn't available to this level of sophistication in the past, and no prize for guessing, we are talking about AI. AI, you know, will and, and I'll use a very simple definition of using information and intelligent machine for better decision making, instead of making it very complicated. So AI can not only help us learn from past crises better, steer the current one more effectively, but also help us make the best out of the opportunity presented by the crisis. And we'll talk about this towards the end of it, right? we already talked about how history, you know, kind of creates, uh, you know, shapes up trends. So let's look at some of these trends that has been building up. Let's take a look at about five prominent and defining trends that were building up before this crisis all the way till Davos 2020. In many ways, a crisis like this act like a vaccine and help us develop the required antibodies, required to fight the roadblocks, slowing down these trends, and therefore it probably accelerates, right? And that is one way to look at it. We'll not touch upon some of the critical ones, I'm sure in your mind, like a climate action plan, rising nationalism, we're not going there. What we're going to talk about, the first one being this rise of e, um, not just e-commerce, e-learning, e-banking, e-entertainment, literally e-everything. Just as an example, the share of e-commerce has more than doubled as a percentage of total, uh, you know, kind of retail spend over the over the last uh, decade or so. The next one, which which I'm talking about, is digitalization of organizations. So while the rise of e, and and this is almost forcing or making digitalization of organization and, you know, kind of something inevitable to happen. The retailers, to banks, to universities, every organization, every organization has been trying to be more digital in not only engaging their customers, but their employees as well. Lot of investment in going into enabling work and becoming digital first. So that's that's where we are. The third trend that we have been observing is the employee-centric culture. The advent of the millennials in the workforce and the expectation they bring in, in terms of flexibility, engagement and learning is fueling this trend. Every employer wants to be employer of choice today. Now this is such a different mindset from the nineties You know, whoever has worked in those times will know what I'm talking about. Hyper-personalization. I don't think that needs any introduction from services we consume, Google, Netflix, to products we are advertised. Personalization is seen as not just as good to have, but, but a must have in, in today's world almost. And last but not the least, adoption of AI. Now, every single company represented in Davos 2020 or NRF 2020, look at AI as the next big source of value creation, each and every organization. From just getting the data together to doing the first AI project, to the other end of the spectrum where AI is a primary way of doing things, Companies are in various stages of maturity, but there isn't a single organization that doesn't want to adopt AI. And we are very lucky to be in that space and keeping that. So these are the few trends that we want to bring up, which has been you know, taking shape over the last few years. Now, let us look at what is happening today. What are we observing today? This, just not just the trends before the pandemic, but look at you know, what is happening with the consumer, and the business during the crisis. This will help us make an educated guess on which of these trends will accelerate or what new will emerge. First, let us look at the consumer side of the story. What we are seeing is a new phase in consumerism. There is more differentiation between need and want. In fact, luxury is being redefined in in many ways. There is a lot of postponement of major purchase decisions. These things that we are supposed to buy today, which would have been in the normal course of action, but people are postponing some of these decisions and some are being completely forfeited. Consumers now need to perceive real value before they spend. And we'll see even how these changes that we are seeing in this time of crisis along with the growing trends will do the post COVID world. Next one is increase online preference for everything. Both because we can't go out and we don't want to go out, life has moved online and habits are expected to stay beyond current prices. We all know that habits take 21 days to form, and this has been said by some experts. And I'm sure most of us are at home and and working from home for more than 21 days now. right? So so that is that is you know kind of what is happening. This is forcing the sellers, uh, the producers or the manufacturers, to accelerate their digitalization efforts invest more into digital experiences clear the last mile hurdles etc and then we'll talk about when we have a look at the business a little more primary focus is shifting on health and safety a decision to purchase a product or services is more and more driven by health and safety concerns of self and family think of how will you choose your vacation destination after the crisis i'm sure there'll be newer criteria that will be considered. Think of what brand of food products you will purchase at super centers going forward. In a latest survey conducted on what people will consider while purchasing a car, interestingly about 64% responded as safety. And this, this is this ranked way above price, quantity or comfort, which is very interesting in, in my mind. The last thing that I want to point out on the consumer side is the home has become the center of life and experience. We all, all know that we are all experiencing it. People have started to care more about home comfort or improvement and that trend is likely to stay. So home improvement, health at home products and technologies, home safety and other products and services will peak in demand. Experts are saying that a part of the wallet spent from luxury apparel is likely to move to home comfort, which will redefine a lot of offerings in the market. Now, having looked at the consumer side of the story, let's switch to the other side of the coin, right? What is happening with the businesses? And the first one that I'm going to point out is a reflection of what we saw on the consumer side. The shift in consumer spend patterns. There are a lot of unexpected behaviors and patterns that are emerging. Some of the established patterns that we always talked about trends and assumptions that we made in retail have just disappeared. For example, the weekday weekend patterns are gone. The fact that on weekdays, you know, you stock up for things, on weekend you purchase your regular things. They're, they're just just not existing anymore. People are buying whatever they need whenever they get an opportunity. And some of this behavior is likely to continue even in the new normal is what we believe. Similarly, Share of spend on different categories have completely changed. It's not the same as before. Supply side unpredictability. Now you can imagine what is happening on that side. On time in full, I'm sure some of you are familiar with this OTF as we you know, call it, was never a concern in recent past for the retailers, especially with domestic suppliers. But now the base assumptions are changing. You, you absolutely have to you know, bring that into consideration and worry about it. CPG companies are themselves facing supply side challenges. The supply chain is broken and hence fulfilling the demand from the retailers is obviously at stake. And this is the whole chain reaction that is, that is happening. And I'm sure most of you have seen these empty shelves in the, in the recent past that we are kind of showing here. The next thing is labor shortage. Both voluntary and forced labor shortage is going to lead to interesting outcomes for sure. Obviously, it's a a challenge at the current time, but as we move along, we'll see industrial automation, maybe delivery drones, and other interesting innovations coming up. That's something that is a a reality of today. If you look a little from the outward-facing side of businesses to what is happening inside the businesses, large workforce working remotely. Many companies that wouldn't even talk of work from home few months ago have now no option but to enable their workforce to work remotely. Now, this is another big force leading to collaboration technologies, telecom boom, HR transformation, et cetera. Et cetera and and we will touch upon some of them. Lastly, I want to point out uh, something very important, which is working capital shortage. During this time of crisis, many companies across the world are facing shortage of working capital, along with demand pressures. Now, this will shift spend priorities and put pressure on hiring needing managers to do more with less and we'll see some interesting outcomes because of that and some of them can be good for the long run as well so what does this mean for businesses so we are you know we have looked at the trend pre pandemic period we have tried to understand what is really happening both on the consumer side and the business side what will all this lead to how will those trends Shape up, right? How many? How will this happen? So before I go there, uh, I'll pose that question to all of you: What changes do you foresee based on these observations that we have made, both in terms of trends and some of the changes during this period of crisis? Okay. So, so while uh, I'm sure uh, you know you're uh, you're thinking about it, and and I'm sure some of you guys have some thoughts which will come across, I'll put across some things that we are clearly seeing in front of us. And based on our combined experience, research, study, we believe that some of these are going to happen. Now, given the trends that we already saw that we're building over the last few years, the first thing that we see, kind of the impact that is happening is the next big wave of digitalization. Banks, insurance companies, and other service providers will be forced to remove any last mile hurdles for digital-only setups or a digital only experience. Digital experience will be a key differentiator in the competitive landscape. AR, you know, your virtual reality, will see the boom that they haven't so far. Let me tell you an interesting story. A Chinese cos- cosmetic company was forced to close about 40% of its stores during the crisis, including all of its locations in Wuhan city. However, the company redeployed its 100 plus beauty advisors from those stores to become online influencers who leverage digital tools such as WeChat to engage customers virtually, creating a great digital experience and drive online sales. As a result, its sales in Wuhan, just in Wuhan achieved 200% growth compared to the prior year sales, which is unimaginable, right? It's just how they took to the next wave of digitalization and and, kind of improvised. Next thing that we want to again talk about is innovative business models in home improvement, healthcare, and e industry. If you go back a little bit, 2003, you know, SARS outbreak in China changed attitudes towards shopping. Since many people were afraid to go outside, they turned to online retail. Though the crisis was short-lived, many consumers continued to use e-commerce channels afterward paving the way for the rise of giants like Alibaba, JD.com, et cetera, JD.com, et cetera, right? <clears throat> Companies such as American Express and Starbucks in particular pivoted during the global financial crisis of 2008 to digital operating models that enable them to thrive and dramatically increase shareholder value. Now with the consumer forces moving towards a health focused home centric life, something similar is expected to happen in the areas of personal healthcare, e-business, and home improvement this time around, right? We will obviously have to wait and watch, but these are the areas where clearly there will be new, you know, innovative business models that will come up. Most major universities in the world have already moved online. And I was wondering that if a student from India may not need to move to Boston to study in MIT or, or, you know, do their MBA degree in Sloan or whatever it is. Some of the salient features of these new business models will be personal or highly being personal or highly customizable, budget friendly, made to order, and assembled near point of consumption. this This is very, very important you know, as we move ahead. We definitely foresee a reinvention in talent management. Reinventing talent management is 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 what we absolutely foresee. With increased remote working, HR and talent management and building organization culture, which is very, very important, will take a completely new shape. How do we build culture and collaboration in a work-from-home company? How do you encourage employees to build their informal networks? What changes you need in your hiring and onboarding strategy? Will you hire for skills or fit? There are, you know, all these questions will need new answers. And, and you know, I'm sure we will, you know, innovate and, 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 you know, kind of get to this new normal and find it. Again, I want to you know, tell you uh, a very interesting anecdote or a small story. A Cosmo lady, the largest underwear and laundry company in Southeast Asia, <clears throat> China and Southeast Asia rather, initiated a program aimed at increasing its sales through WeChat, enlisting employees employees here to promote the product through their social circles. The company created a sales ranking among all its employees, including the chairman and the CEO which help motivate the rest of the staff to participate in the initiative. Think of talent management where your entire workforce is is equivalent to your sales force. I mean, very, very interesting days ahead of us. The next wave of personalization, we already talked about hyper-personalization gaining momentum. We clearly see the next wave of personalization is, is here to come and stay. Given the economic condition and unique personal circumstances people might be in, Understanding and empathizing with customer and pursuing innovative and personalized marketing is the key. You don't want to market an elaborate kitchen setup for somebody who has a 50 square feet studio, for example. The trend of personalization going you know, much beyond marketing and becoming an integral part of all products and services will accelerate info. And And to our favorite topic of AI and automation as a source of value and risk management, organizations, as I already mentioned, are in consensus that AI and automation are the next big source of value, but most of it was focused on cost savings, revenue growth, and in some cases, innovation. Now, it will be pursued with increased urgency and vigor, most importantly for risk mitigation across industries. I mean, what happened with banks, for example, in 2008 financial crisis will happen with many other industries now in terms of risk mitigation and AI will play a big role there. Now, these were some of the industry-wide trends we were talking about. Let's look at some of the industry-specific trends we expect to see, some specific trends in different industries. The first one, and we we already spoke about it, You can keep talking about it, is is reinvention of supply chain. The face of supply chain is going to change inside out. The vulnerabilities of highly complex global supply chain were exposed in the current crisis. This has developed over a period of time, of course, with the world becoming, uh, the world is flat and, and whatnot, but it, it has its own downfalls as well. Pretty much every CEO, every every head of supply chain will now have one question in mind. Should I redesign the supply chain strategy and what impacts will it have, right? That is, that is going to be very, very important. Supply chain decisions will no longer be based on only cost and quality, but reliability and flexibility will gain importance and will become important factors to consider. Near will be a strategic trend from a supply chain perspective. In fact, Japan has already invested billions of dollars to move supply insure from China. I'm sure you all have been following news happening around us. Supplies that provide end-to-end visibility of the orders through IoT and other technologies will have an advantage since they reduce uncertainty. Extreme scenario planning. Scenario planning will take a new expanded role in organizations with companies simulating extreme scenarios that were unthinkable in the past. For example, what if half of the workforce in my factory or distribution center don't show up tomorrow, right? People will have to simulate those scenarios and and find kind of models that will help them sustain. AI simulation models that can run many scenarios at speed will be in demand as a result, and we'll, we'll concentrate or talk more about that in the next section. Agile forecasting. Traditional forecasting models that CPG and retail companies are used to won't be as effective. And we already have seen that. The sales tomorrow will look nothing like sales yesterday and planning horizons are less than lead times. New paradigms in near-term forecasting are being tried out and are here to stay. So we need to kind of uh, definitely watch out for this. B2C e-commerce. CPG companies have wanted to gain access to consumer for a while and people, and now people moving online in large numbers and taking shelter of familiar brands for perception of safety present a great opportunity for them to do so. In fact, many of them have an opportunity to scale up their B2C e-commerce, uh, assuming they get their operations right. Hyper-personalization and opportunity to gain a long-term relationship customer or a consumer will lead to many innovative models in lines of Dollar Shift Club. In fact, the other day news caught my attention where I saw in India, ITC, a major CPG company have tied up with dominoes for the last mile delivery of the CPG products directly to the customer. Interesting days to come. Lastly, I want to talk about digital factories and, and the whole new wave of automation, many factories and distribution centers will digitize and automate as a risk management strategy so far. G is predominantly the only company that has invested in digital twins and made it into a working reality. Even that has faced challenges due to lack of investment. With human risk associated with manufacturing, now the concept of digital twins and remote control factories are expected to become a reality. Now having a look at the trends, both industry-wide and specific trends, we'd like to talk about the role AI will play in terms of shaping up some of this Trends, and I would like to invite Srinidhi to, to talk about some of them
1: that we see will, will become very important. Srinidhi. So as a company, we believe that you know, AI is going to play a quintessential role in the days to come as the world moves out of post-corona crisis. And some of these trends that we talked about are going to have AI as the primary driver in, in everything that they pursue. Right? So let's look at a few things. Right? So we talked about you the know, reunition of supply chain. And when we talk about the initial of supply chain, uh, what we mean is that the risk is going to be at the center of all the supply chain decisions. So if you look at the last 50 years of supply chain history, all the considerations have been around cost and quality. Uh, so who is, the, who is the supplier who can give me best quality, at the lowest cost? Now, the entire paradigm of that is going to change you know, as we come out of this crisis. So supply chain is not just going to be about cost and quality, but it's also about reliability and resilience. And also, to some extent, about you know what is the ability to reconfigure your supply chain, you know, based on immediate needs. Uh, so, which basically means that we need to use AI and a lot of analytics to come out with you know the supplier scorecards, which are going to look very different from what it used to look on these days. That's one aspect of risk. The second aspect of risk is you know what we call as digital control towers. So digital control towers was a concept you know, that came into the world about four or five years ago, but the companies didn't really invest in it. Right? So digital control towers are like, you know, think of them as Bloomberg terminals of supply chain uh, that are a combination of uh, you know, AI and IoT and give end-to-end visibility to you in terms of you know, what's happening with my products that I ordered with my supplier, and in turn you know, the suppliers, supply, and so on. So that I have the deep visibility and control on when I, what I can promise to my customers. Right. So as the, you know, the supply chain moves towards a risk centric supply chain strategy, uh, these are the, some of the things that we will see, uh, the center of which AI is going to play a very important role. Right. Now let's look at you know, extreme scenario planning. Right. So as we are talking today, the Krogers and the targets and the Walmarts of the world have, are doing some of the simulations and scenario plans that they had never even imagined in the past. You know, in the the past scenario planning was restricted to one or two or three most likely cases that would happen, right? But today, as we are talking about, you know, they're planning some very extreme scenarios, like, okay, what if, you know, one fourth of my, or three fourth of my workforce don't show up, right, in my distribution center tomorrow, right, or in my manufacturing setup tomorrow, et cetera, right? Now, uh, to to run a lot of these simulations at scale, at a time that is relevant to take decisions, you need to have very powerful AI models to do the simulations. And another aspect of this is what we call as agile forecasting or also some people call it as responsive forecasting, right? Which is very different from the traditional forecasting that we do, right? Traditional forecasting, you know, depends on, you know, I look at last one or two or three years of data and then I forecast for, you know, upcoming one one year or years or one month or two months. But today as we are talking, right, a lot of cases the forecast horizon is much lesser than the lead times of the supplier. So I want to forecast for say tomorrow or day after, right, I, you know, three days from now, which is uh, it's a very short time and the supplier has a five, five days of lead time. So we are trying out very interesting, you know, supply chain paradigms and forecasting paradigms, if you will, with some of our customers. Right? For example, you know, I want to forecast the sales in St. Louis tomorrow, right, and let's assume hypothetically that St. Louis is like, you know, three days behind in New York in coronavirus, you know, curve, right now I'll use, New York day, no data three uh, three days behind in order to forecast for St. Louis today. Right? Just a hypothetical example, but that's what we are doing with a lot of our customers today. Right? And and this is going to lead to very powerful forecasting models, which are here to stay because that gives you a competitive advantage uh, because these are very very responsive. Now let's talk about talent management, which is a uh, which is a subject of lot of our interest. Right? Now talent management is going to be very different from what we have seen in the past because most of the workforce is you know is currently Working from home, and a lot of it is expected to continue working from home for a, lot, a very large part of the week. Right? Now, in this, as as the supply the talent management leaders are thinking about, okay, what will engage the company, right? Or what kind of benefits lead to you know employee satisfaction, right? which might be very different from the benefits that people expect when they go to work all the five days of the week, right? And similarly, what will attract talent, right? And how much of uh, you know weight I should give for uh, skill versus fit Uh, right and so on and so forth right so is going to help in a lot of extreme experimentation you know in talent management area and come out with you know what is good for each company now let's talk about you know b2c e-commerce right so this is like the nirvana point of what we call as hyper personalization uh trend that we have been seeing right so personalization has you know three aspects of it if you will uh, one is that you know, in order to personalize uh, something for somebody, you need to first understand the customer, right? You need to go beyond the average of the customer segment that we have been talking about and understand each person as a person, right? And uh, figure out all those attributes of that person. That's one side of the story. Right? Other side of the story is, and you should understand your product well, which is not happening with a lot of companies today. Right? For example, if you take the example of an busch Bush, right, having the you know having Budweiser written in the red font in the white background. Has a very different impact as compared to Budweiser in the white font and the red background, right? And it took a while before people realized this. Right? Now only once you realize this, that you will, you know, differ, the, you know, figure out the attributes of your product, right? And in this case, the product is that advertisement, right? And then you know, tag them accordingly, right? So this is the second aspect of personalization. One is understanding the customer. Second is understanding your product and tagging the attributes appropriately, right? And third part is obviously marrying the two with the right recommendation systems in place, right? And there might be a fourth dimension, which is the time element, because you don't want to even in a personalized fashion, you don't want to communicate in the wrong time. Right? Now all of these things coming together and making hyper personalization happen, uh, right? Is you know is all obviously AI yeah, is in the in the center of all this, and which basically means that AI yeah, is going to be at the center of the B2C revolution that we are going to see. And last but not the least, let's talk about you know digital factories, uh, right? If you will. And so digital factories is a concept in in industry 4.0 that we have been talking for a while, right? So, you know, think of uh, a factory running pretty much on its own by all the, you know, uh, very, very advanced sensors and you monitor it remotely and control remotely, right? So that your people are not at risk of, you know, getting exposed to high temperatures and so on, right? So it's a concept, but it requires very high amount of investment, uh, right? And, uh, you know, very high amount of initial planning, if you will. Uh, due to which, lot of companies haven't invested really into this. Right? there are some few very, very far and few examples. Like, for example, you know, Norway has invested in uh, what they call as robotic dogs. Okay, these robotic dogs, uh, you know, are deployed in the Arctic region where they have a lot of wind turbines. Right, and these dogs monitor, you know, how the wind turbine is working, if there is any issue with it. Or if there is any extreme weather and so on due to which you know it needs a repair or uh, you know safety, et cetera. Right? But these are very far and very few examples, but predominantly companies haven't you know invested because of the you know because it's very high capital you know investments, right? But with this advent happening, right, uh, so digital factories is not a futuristic concept, but it's there you know today because people have to plan for extreme scenarios. right uh, you know, your workforce might not show up in the industry, in the, in the you know, manufacturing setup tomorrow. So how will you manage? So digital factories and hence a lot of mathematics and AI going along with it, working in tandem with a lot of sensors, IoT sensors. is going to be the you know it, it's, it's the main thing, right? and a part of that when you know, have enable digital factories and have other sensors. The other aspect of that is what we call as digital twins. Right. So as you automate your you know, factory more and more, uh, you know and then enable it with a lot of sensors and stuff, right. So you can build these digital twins. Uh, which are like, you know, the mathematical equivalent of the, the physical factory. Okay, so there's a lot of math that goes into it, right? And you can pretty much provide the same inputs and expect the same set of outputs, except that you know both input and output are digital due to which you can take a lot of different decisions in terms of your settings in terms of you know how to reduce the shrink in your factory and so on and so forth and you know they all those decisions beforehand and just go one, one in one shot to the factory and you know make the settings instead of you know do them, doing the trial and error that we were doing in the past right so digital team is a very interesting concept that can enable us in different different ways once you have what we call as a digital factory right and obviously all this is you know iot and ai driven you uh, know quintessentially so these are some of the trends that we are seeing, and you know clearly AI yeah, is at the center of the next revolution that's going to come, uh, which basically means that you know we need to up our game in terms of our skill sets and uh, in terms of our domain understanding, uh, if you will. Right. Uh, let me pause at this and you know, hand it back to Shine.
0: Thanks, Shwani. Um, I think we are we are also nearing time. Uh, I, you know, we have kept some time for for questions. I'm sure there are some that are typed in the chat window. So if my co can pick probably just one or two. I think we'll have time for that uh, only for today.
1: Yeah. Um, there's only one question that we have, Shayan. The question is, uh, would you have some concrete examples on how different players already leverage AI driven simulation and optimization and also maybe about Agile forecasting?
0: Great question. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Shri, you want to talk about that, you know, in terms of... Yeah. About-
1: The top three retailers that you can think of in North America today are doing, you know, what we call as agile forecasting. They call it responsive forecasting, but we are referring to the same thing, you know, essentially. So we are working with customers to do those with retailers as we are talking today. And it's happening as we're talking.
0: I would like to uh, uh, once again uh, thank all of you. But before I end, I would like to end with this. The picture looks familiar to many of you. Um, So away from all our AI and COVID Let's talk about Lord of the Rings. Uh, I'm sure many of you have seen the movie. Some of you have read the book. So in that book, uh, at one place Frodo says, I wish it did not have happened in my time. So Gandalf to that replies that so do I. And so do all who leave to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. Thank you everyone. Thanks again for joining and hope to see you guys very soon. Thank you. Thank you.